Hello everyone, my name's PJ and I'm speaking to you from a very socially distanced barn somewhere in Cambridgeshire. Uh, I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. I'm guessing it was quiet. Um, we had a good time, thanks. Um, many of you will know that my parents have ended up in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, they didn't intend to be there, but they got stuck there by COVID whilst visiting my brother. So this year they sent us gifts in the post and amongst them, I received this lovely water bottle uh, that's decorated with Australian art. I've got to say though, that for the first few days I was a little bit disappointed with it because the water coming from it didn't taste that nice. And then about day three or four, I decided to rinse it out. And that's when I discovered that it came with an instruction leaflet inside the water bottle. I've no idea what the instruction leaflet says because I'd long since drunk all the ink that was written on it. Not only that, I'm like many of you struggling uh, with technology. Uh, the other day uh, we had the Wi-Fi go down and I was due to be in a Zoom meeting. So I quickly got hold of my phone and uh, texted people and I, I sent this text. I, I typed in, sorry, I'm going to be late. My Wi-Fi is horrible, trying to reconnect. Only in its wisdom, the autocorrect on my phone in actual fact switched Wi-Fi for wife. So now my message read, sorry, I'm going to be late. My wife is horrible, trying to reconnect. But I guess all of us, were all struggling with different circumstances, adapting and adjusting in different kinds of ways. Uh, some of us, it's minor things like the Wi-Fi going down. For others of us, it's far more serious. It's things like health and our job situations. And I'm very conscious of that. And now as we enter into this third or fourth or whatever week of lockdown it is, we can very easily be aware of what we've lost and the restrictions on us. But today, I want to suggest to you that perhaps there's another way of looking at things. Uh, I wouldn't for a moment want to underplay what people are going through, and as a pastor, I'm confronted with that every day. But what if this season isn't just about what we've lost and isn't just about navigating hardship? What if God wants to do something good in us through this kind of enforced time out? You see, if you think about it, Many people, if they want to make a fresh start or turn over a new leaf, they'll take themselves away, perhaps on a spiritual retreat and get some time out, or they might go away to a health spa. They'll kind of detach themselves, remove themselves from their normal interactions in order to get a bit of space and a fresh perspective, and then hopefully come back a, a stone lighter or spiritually enlightened. Because that distance, that separation, gives an opportunity, if you like, for a reset. And I wonder if in this season, what God wants to take a terrible situation and do something amazing, something new and fresh in us. I'd love us to see if we can, one of the positives to come out of this is that this is a chance for a spiritual reset for you and I. So what if we come out of lockdown clearer about what we believe and who we believe in? What if we come out calmer rather than anxious and frustrated? If that was available to you, I wonder, would you want it? With that in mind, we're starting a new series today, uh, which gives us the opportunity to hit this reset button. And we're going to be looking at eight short, pithy, punchy statements from Jesus that will have the, the ability to take us out of our current set of circumstances, to give us a fresh perspective on things. So that when lockdown does finally finish and we come out blinking into the sunlight, we won't just have got by, but we'll be different on the inside. 
The statements I'm talking about are found in Matthew chapter 5, um, at the beginning of that chapter, and they're known as the Beatitudes, and they're taken from what is unquestionably the greatest sermon ever preached. And without doubt, they have the ability to provoke us, to challenge us, and to change us at the very deepest level. Just to give you a little bit of context, um, the cultural environment Jesus is speaking to in that day, the cultural environment created to some extent by the Pharisees, was one that valued success and profile and strength and prominence. People who considered themselves spiritually rich. And into that environment, Jesus is taking a hand grenade, pulling out the pin and lobbing it into the middle of their value system. He's talking about heaven's value system. He's talking about people who are mourning and meekness. And he's talking about persecution and neediness. Jesus is coming with a completely different set of values for them to consider. And so I'm going to read just a couple of verses for you from the start of Matthew chapter 5. Um, And it says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said this, Blessed, which means happy or fortunate, or the word I prefer is favoured. Favoured are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed or favoured are the poor in spirit. Put another way, blessed are those who have been humbled. Now, if we're honest here, we've got to think, is this something that really appeals to us? Is that something that I really want in my life? I mean, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are bored. We're frustrated. We're trying to teach our kids GCSE maths. Christmas was a washout. Um, I've been living in my jogging bottoms since March. Do I really want to add humbled to the list? And now you're wanting me to be poor in spirit. Is that something really that I want? Well, maybe part of the problem is the way that we view humility and what we think of. You see, I think we could all agree that pride is a bad thing. Uh, People who paint themselves as smarter or better than they are, um, that we see rightly as arrogant and ugly. It's such an unattractive trait. But the alternative humility can seem equally unappealing. We could see it as weakness or a lack of confidence. We can see it as feeling humbled or inadequate. Um, I remember a few years ago when I felt very humbled, um, I was asked to go and speak at a conference um, on the South Coast. It wasn't a big church and uh, the subject I really liked, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go for this and I'll go and speak. But what I hadn't realized is that I wasn't just going to go and do a talk. It turned out they wanted me to headline this conference and they wanted me to do 80% of the sessions. Not only that, it wasn't just for their church, it turned out that it was a regional event. So people were travelling from Bristol and from Devon and renting hotel rooms and attending the conference. I think it was the moment when they started asking for photos of me to put on the publicity literature that I realised this thing was somewhat bigger than I had imagined. And as the time drew closer towards it, I began to feel more and more anxious and more and more out of my depth. I realised that this thing is bigger than I am, and I'm humbled by the circumstances that I'm in. I don't have the resources for this. But actually, the biblical perspective is that humility isn't ultimately a lack of confidence, it's the starting point to get confidence. Because at its heart, biblical humility is a deep internal honesty 
That's all it is. An honesty about who we are and our situation. You see, if pride is about pretending to be something that you're not, humility is simply not having to pretend anymore. Just being honest about who we are. It was D.L. Moody who said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. To, to recognise that without God, we are actually utterly helpless. Without God, there's nothing that we can do for ourselves. I remember um, a few years ago, um, we took our family away to stay with some friends in Switzerland on holiday. In case you can't remember what a holiday is, that's a one or two week break where you would go away somewhere nice, something that many of us used to do some years ago. Anyway, one of the activities we decided to do with this family in Switzerland was that we would um, go uh, to the River Rhine and you can float down the city centre through Basel on the River Rhine. And what they do is they give you a buoyancy aid, which is a bag, you put all your clothes in and all your belongings and you get in the river and you sort of glide peacefully down the river. Um, it was a beautiful warm summer's day and I thought this would be great, we, we can do this, we can do this. But I should have known better because to be honest, we're not a family of great swimmers. Board games, maybe, yeah, but swimming, no. For the first 10 minutes, all went well and we're sort of bobbing along. But then one of my children began to get into some difficulty and wasn't able to stay above the water. So I said, look, climb on my back and I'll keep you afloat. A few minutes after that though, Emma started to get in trouble as well. And I had one child round me and trying with my other arm to keep Emma afloat. And very quickly the situation started to, de to de deteriorate. And I remember thinking, this is, this is beginning to get really serious. There was this surreal setting, there's thousands of people in the city centre, but we're out in the middle, middle of this big, wide, fast-flowing river and starting to think, we're in real danger here. And it reached the point where I couldn't get my head up often enough to grab some air. And we were in very real danger of going under. And we came round a bend in the river and Emma started waving frantically for help. Somewhat frustratingly, the people on the other side of the river just waved back thinking that we were just saying hello. But as we managed to get a bit closer, she then cried out and said, help, help us. And it was just literally with the last ounces of strength, I managed to hold on as a young guy ran from the side of the river, jumped in and helped haul us to the bank. We just collapsed, all three of us, on the side of the river there, coughing and spluttering, realising just how close we'd come to dying. And it was in that moment I recognised fragility and weakness. That, that feeling right there, that moment of desperation as Emma was reaching out for that guy's hand to pull us into safety, that's what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who know they've got nothing. The word in the Greek there for poor is a reference to beggars on the street, people who are utterly destitute. Jesus is saying, you're blessed if you recognise that without me, you've got nothing, you have got no hope. I love the way the NLT tr translates this verse. It says, God blesses those who are poor and recognise their need for him. You know, if this pandemic teaches us anything, it's that we're not as competent as we thought we were. We're not as self-sufficient as we like to think we are. Another scripture that really helps bring it to life 
Hebrews 6.18, this is from, from the message. Uh, it says this, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us, grabbing it with both hands, as Hebrews said. Just like we reached out for that stranger's hand, we reach out for the Father's hand and are saved. Jesus' very point here is that we can't do life on our own. On our own. Pride tells you you can keep going, you can keep swimming, I'm a capable, able person, but the truth is you're actually drowning. That's what it means to be poor in spirit, is that simple internal honesty that we need help beyond ourselves. And that then leaves us with a choice. You can either reach out or struggle on on your own. It's up to you. Maybe watching this, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian. Well, being a Christian means to trust and follow Jesus. And perhaps today is the first time that you reach out and say, I haven't got the resources on my own. Jesus, I need you. Will you come and help me? But for those of us who would say that we are Christians, I want to say to you, it doesn't stop there. You know, Martin Luther kicked off the whole Reformation when he rediscovered that little verse in Romans 1, which says the righteous shall live by faith, not just get to heaven by faith, but live their whole lives by faith, clinging onto Jesus. It's not just enough to have Jesus save you. You need him for every moment of your life. Being poor in spirit actually means to live a life of dependence. And that's where true riches are found. Isn't it time to admit that you need help? You know, as I was preparing this, I felt that for some of us, our biggest problem is that we have a big capacity. You're gifted and capable, you've got talents and resources, and you can fall for the lie that you can do it all on your own, rather than actually, as you're designed to, lean on God. But once we accept that we can't do life without him, once we reach out for his hand and say, I'm broken, I'm needy, will you help me? Then everything changes because once Jesus holds your hand he will never let it go again for all eternity and now instead of just you struggling against the current of your own sin and pride and selfishness it's his strength too and that's why it's so blessed to be poor in spirit because that honest recognition triggers heaven's resources for us Jesus says without me you can do nothing I looked it up in the Greek nothing it means nothing We've already established that we can't even do the basic. I can't even drink from a water bottle without messing it up, much less do life in a pandemic. But once I'm honest with myself, once I throw myself on him, then I can have genuine confidence because he has got what it takes, not just to get by in life, but to thrive. Because as scripture says, nothing is too difficult for him because his Power is made perfect in my weakness because it says in the Psalms, with my God I can scale a wall because I am precious in his sight. Because the same power, Ephesians tells us, that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well in me. I can then be confident, not because of my intellect or my bank account or my physical health or my popularity. I can be confident then because I am loved by the eternal king of the universe. This time that we're living in right now is arguably the most challenging time humanity has faced in certainly our lifetimes. 
We have a mutant virus strain on the loose. We have climate change. We have the political world seemingly going a bit crazy. And I suggest that I don't have what it takes to cope with all that we're facing and maybe neither do you. Let me just finish with this thought. You remember I said about the conference on the South Coast that I was speaking at. Well, no surprise, God met me in my weakness and we had an amazing three days. But for me, the climax was in the final session when we were just worshipping together hundreds and hundreds of people in this big conference centre. And uh, a guy comes up to us and he had uh, what they call AMD, Advanced Macular Degeneration, which meant that he was blind in one eye. And during the worship time, he'd got his hanky out to wipe his good eye and suddenly realised that he could see. He could still see even though his good eye was covered up. He could now see out of the eye that had AMD. And uh, fortunately, we had a, a GP on the ministry team and I asked the GP to go and talk to this man and find out what was going on. The GP came back to me and said, PJ, you need to understand this thing, this sort of thing doesn't happen. AMD it is an incurable condition, but this incurable condition has just been cured whilst we're in worship. You see, when we lean on him, what does that verse say? We're able to access heaven's resources, that we inherit his kingdom. You're not just designed to do life on your own. You're designed to do it dependent on him. And if you just stop trying to do it alone and reach out for his hand, he won't just help you for eternity, give you a ticket into heaven, but rather he'll help you tomorrow. He'll meet you in your place of need and you'll become a conduit for his kingdom, not just to get by, not just to survive, but to thrive. Not because you're clever or smart, but because you trust him and you're willing to lean on him and be used by him. Because mightily blessed are those who recognize their need of him. Those who are poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom. Thanks so much for being with us today.